Welcome to Table Talk with ABFI. I'm Matt Knight. Today, we're joined by Sarah Baptiste, President and CEO of Arcan Trailer and RV. Today, you'll hear her thoughts on trailers and the EV of the future, how to build great humans, both at work and at home, and how to set up boundaries between the tables of your life, be it your kitchen table or your boardroom table. Um, so welcome to Table Talk with ABFI. Um, we're joined today by Sarah Baptiste with Arcan Trailer and RV. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to maybe just start by telling us a little bit about your company? So even just what, what does Arcan do, aside from trailers and RVs, of course? Yeah, so we, well, we sell them. So we sell, uh, so RVs, so travel trailers, fifth wheels, uh, tent trailers, motorhomes, pretty much all RVs. And then we sell the accessories and service and parts that go along with that. So that's the, you know, the boring version of what we do. Okay. Uh, the more interesting version is, so we help people enjoy the camp, um, camping RV lifestyle and uh, just connect with themselves, each other and nature. And we are really excited to do that because we feel that now more than ever, people really need time and space that allows them to force those connections because it's a little tougher. Everyone's kind of down on their in their screen sometimes. So we can uh, we can help people do that. And we've been doing it for years and we'll do it for years to come. Nice. So just kind of helping people to enjoy nature and connect yeah. with themselves yeah, and each other. Whatever that is. You know, for some people, it's going by yourself into a park somewhere. And for other people, it's getting together with some group camping, mm-hmm. some other families. And sometimes it's just with your own family. So, you know, it looks different for everybody. And that's kind of the fun part is learning about our our customers, what kind of camping they want to do and what they how we can best help them do that because they have different things for different people. And we, we have the expertise to do that. That's the elevator pitch there for you. <laughs> nice. okay. um, so backing up into the kind of the very beginnings of Arcan, or probably even before it was Arcan, um, can you go into kind of the history and background of the family business? And, yeah. yeah. So, uh, so the beginnings was before me. Um, so my grandfather, Rube Friedenberg, he was a very entrepreneurial man. So from what I understand it, his first business was a gas station. Okay. So he uh, started with that. Um, and then uh, him and his, and his wife and my dad and my uncle, they moved to the city. I don't know if the dad and uncle came before or after the move to the city, but they came to the city. And for years and years, he ran um, Allendale Hardware in the Pleasant View neighborhood in Edmonton. Okay. So they, he ran that for a long time. Uh, my dad and my uncle both both worked in it. And uh, eventually they started renting tent trailers out of the back of the hardware. <laughs> um, and that was the uh, the gateway into, into RVing. And uh, they, they started to see some larger, he started to see some larger um, like hardware stores. That big box was sort of starting to come in and, and they decided that he would uh, open the dealership with my dad and they would start selling RVs. And my uncle joined a few years later and and then off they went. So they started um, selling and they moved into actually some manufacturing too. So they manufactured tent trailers, leisure craft tent trailers for a while and uh, sold hot tubs for a while and affordable portable boats for a while. And uh, they were in the path of the tornado, I think in 1987, and it totally took out all of the buildings and manufacturers and, and, and everything. So at that point, they decided um, that they were going to rebuild the dealership, but they were going to focus on the retail sales and move away from the manufacturing. Okay. And 
so that that took us into the 90s. My grandfather retired and turned the business over to my dad and my uncle. Um, they acquired our, uh, we don't have it anymore, but another location on St. Albert Trail. So we called, the, we called it the satellite location. They did sales and parts out of there, I think in 2005-ish. Okay. Uh, my uncle retired shortly thereafter, around the 2008. And uh, then, it was, then it was my dad. So I, you know, family business, I, uh, I worked in it from when I was quite little, cleaned many, many trailers in my, <laughs> my day in the summers, worked RV shows. And uh, then I worked there when I went to university. Okay. And uh, yeah, you want me to keep going? Yeah, well, that kind of leads right into the next question, which is kind of tell us a little bit about your professional journey. Like, Yeah. So uh, like, like I said, I worked in the dealership growing up and I went to university with no plans of ever being involved in the family business. So, you know, I wasn't going to uh -huh. do that. That wasn't for me, which I don't think is, is a an uncommon story. Yeah. And I, I have to say my father's always been really uh, supportive of whatever I wanted to do. So his mantra or his, what he always said to us, all of us, there's three of us growing up is, if it's to be, it's up to me. So you can be anything mm -hmm. you want in the world, except for a banker. He doesn't like bankers. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> they uh, called his loans in the eighties and caused much stress and he's never forgotten. So no. you can be anything in the world except for a banker. Uh -huh. So whatever, whatever you want to do, you know, go for it. We'll support you. So I went to university. Um, I did the co-op program at the U of, e, the U of A. So I'm a U of A alum. I got my Bachelor of Commerce and I worked for a Canada Revenue Agency for four months, which was awful. I was a, <laughs> I was in the business call center. So if you called from a business, you, I might answer the phone. Okay. And, uh, you know, what I really learned was that that type of government environment, it just wasn't for me. Um, it was really uh, rigid, really focused on you do what you're supposed to do. And uh, I, I just needed a lot more flexibility in, in my world. And uh, I'm a, a little bit of a go-getter sometimes. So, you know, if I saw something that needed fixing or I thought I'd help, I would want to. And it just wasn't really encouraged in that type of environment. Um, and so then I worked for GE, GE Commercial Finance and their Equipment Finance Division for eight months, which was really cool because um, the heavy equipment financing is is parallel to some of the floor plan financing we do at Arcan. So I had had kind of seen that. So I could kind of see the other side uh, for heavy equipment and what that mm -hmm. piece looks at, like with the bank. So I did that for eight months. And you know, I liked it and I liked the office and I liked the people. But you know, when I started looking around, I'm like, man, for me to move up this corporate ladder, it's gonna take a long time yeah. and probably isn't gonna be in Edmonton. So I might need to think about moving, which wasn't, I was okay with that at the time. Um, but because it was such a large company, for me to have any sort of influence or say for everyone even to be interested in hearing my ideas, that was going to take a really, really long time. And it, it, you get really specialized. You know, I was a co-op student, so I was the bottom. I was doing everything. But I could see there was the account managers. There was the, there was the doc person. Like everyone had their really specific roles in the office. And you really didn't get to see how you impacted the larger picture of the company on a national, provincial, national, or even international level. So, you know, I looked around. What did I love? I loved flexibility. I loved having a voice in the direction. I loved someone you know, being interested in my ideas. I'm like, huh, okay, I have this opportunity right now. It's the family business. So I went to my dad and said, I think I'm interested. But at that point, we had our um, 1904 80th Ave location in Edmonton and our Center Trail location. I said, I think I'm interested, but I, I really, I really want to see if I can grow this thing. Um, so, you know, this is obviously your investment. It's your retirement. It's, it's your life. Are you interested in that? 
And he said, yeah, I'm interested in helping you in that journey. I'm not interested in doing a ton of the work for it. So if you okay. want to take it, I'll support you with my money, essentially, <laughs> because his investment in his blood, sweat and tears up to there. And uh, so, yeah, I joined. I started um, in a parts manager role, okay. did that for a few years, moved into an office manager role. I got my uh, CMA, Certified Management Accounting designation, which is now a CPA. Yep. Um, and uh, started my family in 2013. It's actually my son's 10th birthday today, so 10 years ago. Nice. Congrats. And, ha <laughs> and, and happy birthday to him. Happy son. birthday to him, to Connor, yeah. And uh, and then when I came back from my uh, five-month maternity leave, uh, my dad retired and I took over as uh, the general manager, which we converted to a CEO role. And and then the rest, they say, is history. Off yeah. we went. So, so. A, lot, a lot of changes kind of 10 years ago around that event. Around and that event, yeah. So we had added in 2012, we added our first Calgary location. So this was our first new location outside. So it was kind of like it took me, I came in 2005, it was seven years to even make that first step. But it was mm -hmm. really sort of small. It was an opportunity. And we thought, okay, this can kind of help us get our feet wet, see what it's like without too much risk because it, we weren't investing in any property at that time. So we were leasing from someone else. It was a small okay. dealership. It was only a few hundred thousand for us to take that over. So we did that, learned a ton. Mm -hmm. And uh, then we acquired some land because that piece wasn't quite big enough outside of, of Calgary. And we built our Calgary store where it sits today on 8.4 acres. Um, it's mm -hmm. on Highway 1, just, just outside of Chestermere. And we opened that in 2017. So I learned about land development and building buildings. And there's some, there are some lessons oh, there. Definitely a lot for of For sure. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, a little bit of different than what I had been exposed to up till then. Yeah. And at, at the same time, we'd also built another shop in Edmonton. Okay. Um, and we're a glutton for punishment. So we opened uh, our Calgary location in 2017. And we also acquired our next dealership in Carstairs at that same wow, year. Okay. So we took that over in September. Yeah, so lots of yeah, lots of lots busy. of change. Yeah, so it was pretty busy. It took us a few years to uh, work through that and kind of figure that out. And uh, in 2021, so we took over um, a dealership in Medicine Hat. Okay. So that was, wasn't that long ago. And then that same year, we ended up selling off our Sunbrook Trail property and where our shop was, and uh, moving our head office out to Atchison to our to our second full service location. So we didn't have service out of our other location. So we we moved that up and now we're now we're dealing with that. Another jump mm -hmm. of growth. And mm -hmm. I always joke like, I, why can't I just do one thing at a time? Why do we have to stack things on? But you know, what can I say? I like challenge. Yeah. So, <laughs> so you probably don't think back on what would things look like if I was still in the GE corporate non-family business world? You know what? Sometimes I do. And um, you know, honestly, I wouldn't feel, I don't, it's hard to say like, I think that I'd find fulfillment in whatever I, I, I did, um, but I certainly I don't think I would feel the same sense of accomplishment. Um, you know, for me personally, like I said, I started my family ten years ago, and at that point, my husband and I we would go camping sometimes because we kind of felt like this is what we should do, and I I did it because I felt an obligation to, not because I wanted to. Um, but then after I had my son, I think he was six months old, we took our first trip to Pigeon Lake, mm. and. Uh, just seeing him out sitting in the grass, playing with his little tiny bucket and shovel and yeah. shoveling sand in and playing with the plants. And it just hit me. I'm like, wow, mm. this is why we do it. Like what a gift. Yeah. And if I wasn't in this environment, I wouldn't, 
I wouldn't camp. I would miss out on this whole piece of it. Maybe I would, maybe I wouldn't, but probably not. Yeah, and interesting. And I, I would just miss all that. So I'm really thankful that this is the path that it went on because it's really enriched my family life too in a way that I had no idea it would do. Yeah, no, that's amazing. Um, so you mentioned your father was really kind of supportive of you doing whatever you wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, Aside from kind of that guidance and support and kind of ability to do whatever you wanted, um, what did he do to kind of prepare you for the family business? So my my father has been a real mentor to me. So he worked, so I started full-time in 2005. So I worked with him. Um, my father is a really great leader. So he does a, an awesome job really listening to the people mm-hmm. that he works with uh if you go with some of our old stuff there's countless stories um listening and understanding and this this sense of empathy i think sometimes in businesses you get especially in a competitive labor environment um you you get protective of your employees that if someone wants to leave you you get offensive you find it like why would you leave but he he, he was never like that he always he always modeled because it was never a conversation like officially was just model like if someone's not happy who works here that's they need to they need to go explore that Hmm. and you know if we can if we can do right by them and we can give them that freedom you know maybe they'll come back and lots and lots of employees have and and maybe they won't but but that's okay and you know having having people who work and I'm going to say with you, because that has always been his perspective. People never worked for him. People okay. always worked with him. And I think that's a philosophy that I've adopted as well. So I mean, people work with you. You know, you don't want people who are miserable coming into, into work every day. Yeah. And, and because he works with them, that they influence him. Like there's that, that give and take and vice versa. So, you know, he really showed me that sense of empathy and taking the time to understand and listen and you know be a part of people's day-to-days and you know take walk around and get to know get to know the people who you're working with mm-hmm. and i think that there is some some people who own businesses who don't have that philosophy so i've really that's really held by my heart and it's something that we've worked to maintain we call it the kind of the family feel so yeah. you know i'm part of the ken's family but we talk about the arcan family so you know Arcanians, you know, you're part of, you're mm-hmm. part of something bigger than, than just yourself. So he, that's his philosophy. And we've really carried that forward kind of as we went on, but he worked with me in 2005. So I got to see his leadership style. Um, when I became office manager, our doors were right next. So he slowly transferred responsibility for me, you know, it was always that, always that, that mentor and that coach, right? Like wants to have conversations. And I, as a, so I recently turned 40 and you f- reflect back and who knows what my my 50s and 60s would bring. But, mm-hmm. you know, in my 20s, I think I really, I felt like I knew it all and I had a lot to offer and no one appreciated what I was bringing to the table. Uh, but then I, as I as I became smarter, I really learned, like, I don't know anything. <laughs> like, uh-huh, yeah. like, I'm pretty stupid and I can't believe I, I he let me do some of those things, but he let me make mistakes. Mm-hmm. Um, not catastrophic ones, but he let me make mistakes and and I learned from them. And I really appreciate that he had that, he gave me that freedom to do that. You know, he didn't micromanage and he didn't come in and, and question everything that I did. So he allowed me some some space to to learn in the way that worked for me and and gave me the guidance. Sometimes when I asked and sometimes I didn't, gave me the guidance. Mm-hmm. And if it wasn't a dangerous thing, you know, he wouldn't make me take that advice and that I would live with the consequences of my choices. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and I, I learned, a, learned a lot and I, and I still do because now I've, brought that philosophy on with carried on with our charter management team. 
Nice. And anything kind of from your father's lessons there or, you know, that you're doing a little bit differently in how you're raising your son and, and thoughts on preparing him for the business in the future or um, anything like that? You know what? I, I think I'm not doing a ton different because, you know, he didn't raise me to prepare me to take over the business. He raised me to be a good person and a, and a good member of society. Okay. So, and I think that that's kind of what I'm doing too. You know, my, my goal, I think as a parent is I want to, you know, release my little fledgling into the world and I want him to fly mm -hmm. and I want him to go out and contribute. So, you know, I want him to be a good person and deal with everyone with integrity and honesty and, and give back when he, when he can. And, and so that's, you know, that's a similar type type philosophy that my parents had to, you know, he was never, there was never that pressure. And I don't think that there should be because, you know, life's too short to go to work to doing something that you feel like you have to do every day. Yeah. So the, the, there was never an expectation. So okay. for us, that was, that was really freeing really. Mm -hmm. So yeah, there's no expectation. And we say the same thing, you know, you can, you can be whatever you want to be. And and foster foster along. I think my son played team sports and I never did. I'm not sure if that was a deliberate choice on my parents' part or okay. more just a me thing. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, so so that's uh, the, that was good. But it, honestly, no, not a ton different. So I guess I'll say I think my parents did a pretty damn good job because I'm pretty great. So. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so is he starting to wash trailers yet? Uh, no, not yet, not yet. He, uh, we do have him uh, come in some of our videos, though. Okay, we, nice. So he, we use him in our our marketing. We, uh, we don't pay him for it, so we okay. we, we exploit his cuteness. Yeah. <laughs> um, so kind of maybe in those times you were working with your father and you know and other interaction with the family. How are you guys handling things like succession planning and? balancing the difference between kind of the family and business dynamic. So one of the things that that we did when uh, when my dad started to exit the business, well, first of all, we worked with a, a consultant. So uh, they're called Predictable Futures um, to help us. And one of the things they advised us to do was set up an advisory board. Okay. Yeah. So we have an advisory board. We have uh, myself, my dad, and two external members. And my dad isn't the chair. One of the external members is. So what that has really helped is it creates, so we meet three times a year, an, an advisory board similar to a regular board of a government is that you know, the job of the board is to help strategic, provide strategic direction for yep. the business. Um, and what has really helped too is there is a level of accountability for me because I'm not the be all and end all. I need to report into a group of people and, and ensure that, you know, I'm, I'm a good steward. And for my father, it, it allows him space to review the financials, ask his questions, you know, the hard questions, mm -hmm. like, why are you doing this? Where are you going? Like, what do you think is going to happen? And then we can have some debates about where it goes next. So this has really enabled him to still have a voice in his, his business. And it's given me and my team a higher level of accountability and, and we produce a better project and project product. Yep. Um, and uh, it's, it's been, I think, essential for our, our succession plan to have that, that space. Um, it was there was a transition, especially when when he very first like that first year of retirement. I think for him it just felt like a holiday, like <laughs> oh. Um, and then as he started to feel less a holiday and more day to day, and then he started to get a little bit bored. Okay. And so then he would come in and you know he'd want to have a conversation about what was going on, and I would be I would be I'd be too busy. 
So he always jokes that I have one, I have one feeling. So one day he's like, Sarah, I only have one feeling, but you've heard it. <laughs> and, you know, so, so he, we've had some, those tough conversations. So, you know, he felt dismissed and that I didn't have the time for him. And that okay. was a real problem. Mm-hmm. And I, I was frustrated because I didn't feel like I could just drop everything to make mm-hmm. time for him. Mm-hmm. Cause I was running the company, right? Yeah. I was, we, I was busy. So, it, you know, working through some of those conversations, you know, we didn't let it fester. Okay. You know, he, we, we did it up. And one of the things that I requested is, is when we still, we often have family dinners on the weekends or we get together. And, and one of the things I requested early on is I don't want to talk about the business. Mm-hmm. I know I want to talk about what's going on in my life and your life and everything else that goes around, but I don't want to talk about the business here. Because okay. I need to, I need to get away. I need to set more boundaries, and I think that's maybe something I've done different. Back to the raising questions than he has is he, he, especially when I was young, you know, he worked 60, 70, 80 hours a week. Like he really um, gave the business his all, and and I didn't see him a lot. And I, I wouldn't say I didn't think I missed him, but you didn't miss what what wasn't there. And he mm-hmm. was there. We, we still did our family vacations, but you know, on that, you know, he often wasn't home for dinner, and that's just just how it was right yeah. uh so i have worked really hard to maintain work-life balance you know I, I try to be home in the evenings i i try not to work insane over time i always take my days off and we take holidays so maintaining that boundary i think has been really really important for me so for when we go to family dinners i'm like no this is my this is my family time this isn't yeah. my work time so you know we can have a conversation at work time not a problem but and that was a that that took a a little bit of time, but we 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 got there, and it's not really an issue anymore nice. at all. Yeah, it's a hard boundary to set, but kind of once it's there, it's yeah, it's, it's sacred. Yeah. So, and I think probably the thing that we need to do that we haven't done as as good a job with is um, just setting up family meetings. So a regular time to meet to talk about you know as as a family mm-hmm. um with my brothers and sisters like what what does the business look like what's the plan what are the impacts what's the what's my parents plan for for when they pass or what's in their will and some mm-hmm. of that stuff about what that looks like so you know we need to make a little more time for that i think we'll and we've done okay but we'll need to do a better job moving forward with that piece of it as as we start to go on and yeah. and it's it's a little bigger than it than it was before so you know as as the business gets bigger people who weren't inter- interested in it before might be more interested now so okay. you know establishing the the what's the what's the transition look like for the family that's not involved so we're starting to have those conversations now okay. so kind of outside of that ownership and family role yeah they're becoming yeah. a little bit more interested yeah um, and are any of your other siblings involved in the business today? Yeah, my brother is. So my uh, my brother is our uh, one of our general sales managers at uh, actually our South store here. He nice. does okay. he does an amazing job. And I say that, so he's eight years younger than me. So he's quite a few years younger than me. So he is he's my succession plan for mm. when I'm ready to go, and then he can do this for a while and see how he feels about it. So we're starting to you know, he knows that now. We're starting to have that conversations of what that looks like and. And uh, it's still some time. I think I've got another good decade in me at least, maybe okay. more than that. But, you know, you always have to have, and that's what our advisory board says, you know, if something happens, if you get hit by a bus, Sarah, tomorrow, like, what do we do? What is that plan? Yeah, yeah what is that plan? So yeah. um, so what do, you, what do you do in the organization today at all the different branches and corporate to kind of build that culture of, you know, familyness and collaboration and entrepreneurship and innovation? 
Well, that's a real big question, isn't it? Um, <laughs> so, so one of the things that that well, first of all, we try and model that with my team. So I try and model it for the recognition piece. I think that that's probably really important from from when I started and maybe just a little bit of my personality, that little bit of type A pessimistic type, I really see what people aren't doing well. And so I've tried to transition to recognizing what's going well. So that recognition piece and, and giving giving praise where praise is due in the moment. Um, yep. I joke that I'm going to write a book, but I'm not sure it really is a joke that raising good kids and having a good culture at your company is the same skills. <laughs> so, <laughs> but one of those pieces is, is, um, yeah, like if you if you see someone doing something that you want to see, want them to keep doing, you should tell them. And mm -hmm. it's a simple concept, but most people don't do it. They're just like, okay, good, you're doing your job. Mm -hmm. But for a lot of people, they don't know that that's what you want. They assume they're doing it, but in the absence of a story, people will make one up. So okay. we're trying to fill that narrative. So, okay, great, you're doing a great job. And, I, and so I've worked really hard at doing a better job with that recognition piece. I, and it's taken a lot of years. I think I'm finally starting to make some progress on it. So my team is doing that down and we encourage our management to do that. So we have a program, we call it the props program. So people recognizing other people. Nice. Um, so they fill that card and they give it to uh, give it to their uh that person's manager, and then they can they can either share it with an individual or in a meeting, so they can give props to that, so they know. And it might be their manager, but it's usually it's somebody else where they just saw it and they're like, "Yeah, you did a great job. I want to give some props." So that's our probably our recognition program um, from a cultural piece. Uh, COVID kind of derailed things a little bit. We're kind of just starting to get things back on track, um, but in most of the stores, we will we would do um, mixers. Okay. Every three to four months. So over the years, we've done all sorts of things. So we've done everything from we rented sumo suits and had like sumo competitions. <laughs> um, we've done um, some we've done some like fundraisers for um, for cancer. So cut people's hair. So we had a he still works for us. Uh, we joke that he's Thor because he has long blonde hair. Okay. But uh, we had a cut it or keep it campaign. So we each raised money, uh, cut it or keep it. And if the keep it side raised more, he would keep it. And if the cut it side, so the cut it raised more. So we had a big event. So um, uh -huh. we've done Iron Stomach. We've done like Penny Carnival things. We've we've done quite a few. Um, some charitable pieces too. So we did a cleanup for the Bissell Center. They have a Moonlight Bay camp out of Wabaman. So we did spring cleanup. We'll probably do that again this year. Um, we'll we'll do uh, for Ronald McDonald House. We've done it in the past. We're going to do it again this year where we go and we cook a meal yep. for the, the house. So we try to have that community piece. Um, and I guess that that's the other family piece too is having that community. So we have our Keeping Kids Camping program. Hmm. Started out... Uh, um, people used to ask Ken, what do you do? And he's like, oh, I just keep the kids camping. So he said it kind of cheap, but it was kind of true. So now we have our Keeping Kids Camping program. So it's about using our resources to keep kids active and healthy in our communities. So um, we take a portion of every trailer and we set it aside and we reinvest that back into the community. So a lot of jerseys, a lot of okay. a lot of kids sports team, um, the Ardrossan Spray Park. We have some some naming rights there. Um, we were partnered with Rainbow Valley. Um, they have their... Uh, uh, program for new Canadians to get involved in the Canadian lifestyle, so camping or skiing. So we uh, we hmm. contribute to that piece of it. Um, yeah, lots of sports teams. Mostly that's what's what it is. Is yeah. it's kids in schools. Uh, there's a Spruce Avenue school in the inner city here. They 
we usually donate some money to them so they can buy jerseys for their kids because mm-hmm. they don't have any extra money for that stuff. So okay. we try and help them out with that. Um, and then we also have our community events trailers. So these are, are any nonprofit can borrow them for anything. So lots of cancer runs. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, when Ikea used to sell Christmas trees, they would borrow in the winter. We do Alberta snow days. There's there's lots of community initiatives yeah they'll they'll end up at uh, often at heritage days or radio stations will borrow them for <laughs> for what they want so anything nonprofit, you can uh, apply to use this we have one in edmonton and for calgary okay lots of cancer runs or ride for dads um yeah. it's incredible yeah so you know we try to to model being good citizens and i think that 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 carries forward down in that family piece. So I talked about how I want to raise my son that way. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I'd love for our staff to be that way too, right? So we try to to walk what we talk yeah. is is a big, big part of that piece. Um, for innovation, um, we really focus hard on using our meeting rhythms to hear people's ideas. So hearing where people are coming from and, and actioning some of it and being open. So we uh it's like a dirty a dirty phrase is well because that's how we've always done it if that's mm. our only answer then we need to go back to the drawing table because that's not good enough yeah it's not a good answer no not a good answer at all uh so that's that's part of it though like that core belief that because we've always done it if that's the best reason we need to rethink it and when people start to understand that you know people have been there a long time do now they're going to be okay well maybe i have an idea of how to do this better right so mm. so that's something else that has I think helps foster that innovation and bring people's ideas forward. Nice. Um, so changing gears a little bit, um, do you kind of have any funny stories or embarrassing memories growing up in a family business? Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. Probably. <laughs> probably. I'm sure I do. Um, so the Edmonton RV show has been really around for a long time. So um, they were doing a, often did themes and they were doing an, a newsprint theme. So, uh, dad said, Hey, do you want to come work the RV show for the weekend? I'll give you 20 bucks. I'm like, 20 bucks. I'm like, yeah. And now I'm like, I was ripped off. I was there from like, I was there for 12 hours a day for four days. But, uh, but I was dressed up as a little newsie. They have with my little hat handing it out, the Arcan Times. Nice. They come, come here and I'm like, okay, well, that was, uh, <laughs> that was, that was fun. I'm sure there's, there's more. Uh, but that one, that one really resonates with me. I said, now I'm like, you ripped me off. He's like, well, he's like, you didn't negotiate. So I paid you. Yeah. I had this vacuum. Every before we started, I had to vacuum with this old um, Kirby vacuum. Like, so, like, my either my dad or my grandpa so used to, it must have been my dad, like, early in his career. So, and this, the thing, this thing weighed like probably 10 pounds. And I mean, little 10 year old Sarah, I'm not that big now, I was even smaller than pushing it up and up and down. You're right. Yeah. It is time for Connor to start working in the family business now, yeah. now that I think he back could, on it. Yeah. He could be a, the, I think the RV show is he, yeah, probably he coming the, up. He probably the news. Yeah, maybe we'll put him in the, the mascot. My cousin actually is involved. So I said my uncle um, left the business, but my my cousin, Neil, his son works okay. works for us too. So he um, he helped us start the Calgary store. So when we, when we bought it, we realized we needed someone from our current organization to help bring some of those values. And I, mm-hmm. I didn't even talk about our values. So we're, we do managing by values. So we really believe um, that we need to manage them within lines. So that's the core of our culture. So um, they're stay on the right path, mm-hmm. uh, 
be sticky, stick with yourself in a relationship, uh, get dirty, get get in, get it done. And uh, there's always room around the campfire. So we wanted to make them themes around inclusiveness, teamwork, and integrity. Yeah, those are fun. Yeah, yeah. Good. So we redid them a couple of years ago to make them more authentic to who we are. And so now we have a lot of fun with them. Yeah. So yeah, we, we love that. So my cousin, my cousin Neil's in, involved and he has three sons. And so now his sons are, uh, yeah, they were... There were we have the ranger Rick, so his dad is named Rick. So we named our our mascot uh-huh. that we use at the shows. It's homage to my uncle. So Ranger Ranger Rick was uh, was Neil's kids was doing it. His oldest son was doing that at the <laughs> show. So he, awesome. yeah, so we're starting we're starting to see that second generation. And yeah, so, kind of getting more involved and being engaged. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, looking forward, what do you think is going to be the biggest challenges for the family business in kind of the next five to ten years? From a family perspective, um, you know, I, I don't think there's going to be a challenge, you know, specifically for the family piece, but I think the business, there is some significant challenges. So uh, as as EVs become more prevalent mm-hmm. um, and being mandated by governments, are starting to navigate how does that affect our industry. So, you know, I, at first I thought it would be towing issues, but, you know, it's not, it's range issues. So like the Ford yeah. Lightning truck, it can tow as much or more than the gas version of that same vehicle, but it's the ranges that will be the challenge and hmm. the lack of charging infrastructure. So the uh, uh, RVIA, so the RV Industry Association in the U.S. is pushing the U.S. government when they do charging, set up charging infrastructure to do the one for a car, but one for the trailer. So when you pull up, you can charge both. The manufacturers are starting to um, play around with the idea. They actually have had them in, have had them in Europe for about three years. Um, uh, the powertrain on the trailer is self-powered as well as the car. So it okay. increases your range because the trailer is propelling itself and the car is just keeping it yeah, on the road. Yeah. So I, I think navigating that and seeing what that looks like is going to be really interesting in the next five to 10 years. You know, there's a little fear of the unknown mm-hmm. around that, that piece of it. Um, you know, and in this current environment, there's, there's a lot of conflicting pressures, you know, on with the hear about the inflation piece of it and the upwards on wage pressure, but the, our margins are coming down. Mm-hmm. So navigating how do we utilize technology to help fill the labor gaps that we just can't afford to anymore. So mm-hmm. learning to become more efficient um, with how we run our business is going to be really key to our success, something that we're working on now, but it's it's challenge. It's a challenging yeah. shift because the when things aren't going well or people feel too busy, the default's always like, well, we need to hire more people, which is really difficult to do right mm-hmm. now, right? So, so managing that labor inventory, especially as um, there's there's a squeeze and those baby boomers are retiring and, and what is that what does that look like? I think from what we have going for us is we do provide an amazing experience that a lot of people see value in and get into. You know, the COVID was a huge upswing for us and we were super lucky about that, but it introduced a lot of people to the RV lifestyle that mm. never would have seen it before. So how do we keep that, those new RVers in our, in our infrastructure okay. and uh, help them keep enjoying the RV camping lifestyle and those pieces moving forward. So, you know, as, as, uh, the next generations come up, I think they see value and I think I know they see value in what we're doing. So it's, it's shifting enough that we can provide value with them and managing those ever, ever increasing customer expectations yeah. and, uh, decreasing skill of the average person to mechanically fix their, uh, their trailers. <laughs> so how can we help them meet that need? So yeah. nice. Okay. 
um, from kind of an education and professional development perspective, is there kind of a book or a seminar or a course that kind of sticks out in your mind as being the most impactful to either your development or how you manage your business today? Well, I'm going to work from most recent back. Mm -hmm. uh, so most recently, uh, I, we, myself and my whole team, and then we actually worked with a coach on a, a book called Scaling Up by Vern Harnish. Mm -hmm. That has been just mind-blowing for me. Um, what I really loved about that book was it took strategic planning and, and put a process to it. What I've always kind of struggled with is, okay, we need to do strategic planning. So we go off site, we do these big strategic planning things and we have our, our binder and then we put it on the shelf and good, yeah. plan is done. <laughs> uh, but there is, there's no accountability in that. You know, how do you actually ensure you execute it? Sometimes it happens by accident, but it's a little bit by accident because you don't actually do anything different. Mm -hmm. So that's what I love about scaling up is it talks about, okay, you have your front page. What's your big rocks? What's your, what's your three or five year key thrust? Yeah. What are your big plans? Now, what actions are you going to do on an annual basis to a quarterly basis to a weekly basis that are going to move you in that direction towards those rocks, yeah. towards those rocks? So, you know, for me, that really, that was the very first time that I was like, okay, I, I have a process now that I can train people on what strategic, what, how to do it, how to execute and hold me and myself and my team accountable to it. So hmm. that has, that I was saying is probably the most recent piece that has really changed my perspective and helped propel this forward. Nice. Um, I did, uh, I did a leadership development course. Um, I did it with a uh, company that's in the RV space. And then some, and my brother, which I think is, was actually better, did it with uh, leadership development with the executive um, education at the UVA, which I don't think they have that anymore. But yeah, some of those programs are, so, are still well. Still I was around. I yeah. was looking, yeah. So you know, I think I might put some more people through that. So I think that that was great. But you know, I think the hardest thing as a as a leader is to develop those soft skills. So I think leadership yeah. development is super important, and self awareness. You you can only you can only get better at what you do if you're aware of what you're not doing well. So, and you take responsibility for that. So that's, I think that's key. So I really look for when we're looking for talent, people who are, who, you know, we say, where do you see your biggest opportunity? It's not things like, oh, you know, I try too hard. It's, yeah. you know, it's real concrete examples of, you know, you know, for, for me, I wasn't great at recognizing people. So we put in a program that gave us a process on how we could do that, right? So that's kind of not the best example, but that's the one off the top of my head. But just being self-aware and and recognizing that you're not going to be perfect, acknowledging where where you're not. I think being being human and acknowledging that, and not only is it a great example for your team, um, but it's it's it makes them more likely to come to you with with their problems or with news that they know you won't like. We, we sometimes, we joke, we have a um, kind of like words we come and someone says like, oh, you know, is this, this is the safe nest, right? And I'm like, okay, I'm not going to like what you're going to tell me, but that's okay. And, but it kind of like allows you to mentally prepare if someone's going to drop a bomb on you. But mm -hmm. that self-awareness, um, you can only improve if you know where your opportunities are. So, so being aware of that. And I think that leadership development programs help, help you explore what that is mm -hmm. and then help you give you some paths and some skills to, to improving those. And uh, then you can follow up and see what that, so that was great. And then, you know, way back, I think university degrees, you know, I got a bachelor of commerce and I'm in business, so that works, but 
you know, we have my VP of sales. He has a uh, bachelor of education hmm. and he's actually, I, I don't know if he would be a great teacher. <laughs> he's really good at his job, but what university I think really teaches you is linear thinking. You know, it's how to think through a problem and then communicate it in a linear fashion. Yep. And that's, that's not something that comes intuitively to the average person. So I see a ton of value in getting diplomas and degrees just from that piece of it. I don't really care what it is, really, mm -hmm. because no matter what path you go on, it's going to teach you how to think in yeah. a linear fashion. Yeah, and it shows that you have that ability to learn. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, that drive, you know, that sense of accomplishment. One of our interview questions is something you're proud of. And I love mm -hmm. it when it's when they've completed post-secondary because you don't have to do that. No one makes no. you do that. So I think that that shows their ability to finish something that, that they chose to do. Um, nice. So any ideas if you weren't doing this, what do you think you would be doing? Well, <laughs> how about instead I'll talk about my next job. Okay. So I have a, so like I said, I have a succession plan 10 to 15 years. There's the, there's the jobs that I'm actually going to do. And then the job that I would do if money didn't matter. So, um, we'll start with if, if money didn't matter, I would run a used bookshop, bookshop and a coffee shop. Cause I just love, I love old books. I love the way they smell. I love reading them. I love talking to other readers and I like drinking coffee. So I think I would really enjoy that. I think I get a lot of satisfaction with that. Um, the other thing I get a lot of satisfaction, um, is, uh, helping other people. So, you know, as I, I don't think I could have done it if I didn't do this job first, but you know, consulting and, and mentoring. So working with other, I would think particularly for me, women in business and women in dominated, male dominated mm -hmm. businesses. Um, I, I love when I can have conversations and help them grow and, and be a part of their leadership development journey. So I think moving to some consulting and some mentoring programs is probably where I'm going to, going to move to next. Nice. Okay. Um, this is a bit of a weird question, um, okay. but if you weren't in kind of your family business, is there another business family or another business that you, you would like to be transplanted into? Ooh, I don't know. I've always been fascinated with manufacturing because okay. that's a different side of it. So um, I think that, well, and maybe it was because I recently saw the CEO of PCL, PCL speak, but PCL I think is a really interesting company and I would, would love to learn a little bit more about that business and be a part of it. So I find that's, that to be, you know, an interesting, mm -hmm. interesting the construction, that construction things, yeah. world. Yeah. I guess maybe at the core, I like to build things, which is not something I would have recognized back in the day, mm -hmm. but I, I think that that's uh, the manufacturing and that construction piece would probably be where I would look nice. next. Um, so how should people get a hold of you? Um, if they want to learn more about you, if they want to learn more about buying a trailer, um, if they need to get their trailer serviced, um, <laughs> what, if they want to learn more about the joy of camping, how do they, how do they reach out? How do they connect? Yeah. So you can connect to different ways. Obviously our, our website, www.arkannrv.com is a great way to yep get all sorts of resources and book appointments and do that. Um, um, or probably emailing me is the easiest way as well. So my email is s.baptiste, so s.baptiste at arcan, A-R-R-K-A-N-N-R-V.com. And yeah, send me a note and I will happily chat and, and yeah, have a conversation depending on whatever that may be.
Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, it was great to learn more about Arcan and learn a little bit about your journey and your family's journey. Thank you. Thank you to both Sarah Baptiste from Arcan Trailer and for you for tuning in today. If you want to learn more about ABFI or get a hold of us, visit us on the web at www.abfi.ca or send me an email at matt, M-A-T-T, dot, night, K-N-I-G-H-T, at ualberta.ca. Thank you.